Welcome to JW Podcast, the watchtower Jenga of podcasts that takes down the organization one brick at a time. Hello and welcome to another episode of JW Broadcast. Well, tonight we have got someone who we're talking to upside down from tomorrow. We've got an Irish comedian from the island of Ireland. And I will be using the phrases Antipodean competition and my mum. So that's something to look forward to. So I'm going to introduce my co-host for the Australian edition of the podcast tonight, which is Bill Hahn. Hello, Bill. G'day there, Louise. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice and early in uh, Australia at the moment, and it's minus two degrees here, so it's very cold. Australia, that is. I know you all, you know, in the northern climates have uh, colder winters and that, but this is pretty much as cold as it gets here. What, the actual? And you're in tomorrow, aren't you? I am. I'm in the future. You're in the future. You are from the future. What with living in a stupid time zone and all that, which is why... Uh, we have to stay up so late, but that's okay, Bill. We'll forgive you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your um, involvement with XJW activism then, Bill? Right, well, I suppose just a, a quick intro as to who I am is um, I'm a fourth-generation Jehovah's Witness, so it's well and truly uh, ingrained into my family history. Um, but that all ended on... Uh, January of 2011, I was disfellowshipped. Um, tried to get back in, but didn't work. They could see through me. I was a bit oh. transparent trying to get back in. Uh, and it wasn't really till November 2011 that I was fully, fully broken all the doctrines and uh, got myself out of it. And that sort of, as you do when you uh, first wake up, the cognitive dissonance hits you. Uh-huh. And, you know, once, once you sort of get through through that and you stay alive because uh, there's quite a few people who've you know committed suicide yeah. at that stage of their life um, and got through that you're angry because then I realised oh you know the Watchtower Society basically robbed me of a normal upbringing yeah. wasted 40 years and you channel that anger and now that's the the thing for me I, I got involved uh, I was on the, some of the JW forum and, and whatnot and uh, that was when Candace Conti's case was had gone to court. So the Watchtower had put out, you know, some of the letters that were damning was used as evidence. So there was a pamphlet that was printed up. So I <clears throat> I went and letterboxed every Kingdom Hall around every Kingdom Hall in Sydney. Wait, so who printed up the pamphlet? The witnesses or the? Yeah, the, no, no, it was it was. Um, wasn't our yet. It was it was some someone else had done it, and I got it off the JW. Said, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, go for it. Just print it out, and um, so I had I printed out. I think I did about five thousand of them, and I just went and letterboxed all around every Kingdom Hall in Sydney. So it's a it's a big you know Sydney's um, oh, what are they close to five million people. So there's lots of Kingdom Halls. So I did all that. Letterboxed around every JW I knew and just said, ask your neighbour about this. Uh, yeah, and even when I was working all over the state, sort of out in remote places, I always carried a, a whole lot in my bag. So if there was a little country town, I'd go and letterbox around their kingdom halls. I'm sure it... Uh, was that your first yeah. act of activism then, so to speak? Yes, it was. Wow. Yeah. And I got that out of my system. That got the uh-huh. anger out. I found it amusing. 
joined the vast apostate army and did my bit. Actually, it was the vast apostate army. That's where the, the brochure came from. Oh, okay. Pamphlet. So that was the first bit of my activism. <clears throat> and then um, I'd, I'd have to say it's the seeing J.W. Fairy Tale. I love him. He is <laughs> fantastic. And Lloyd's um, Evans with his. Yeah. And that basically thought, right, okay, I'll have a go at this. Even though, even though the accent sucks, I thought, oh, well, Oh, Bill, we're all in love with your accent. Don't, don't go modest on us. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to go into slang because non-Australians we, don't understand it. No, we'd need a translator. Yeah, we're all just a pack of bastards, you know. I know. And you're upside down. And you're in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, uh, so that was... Got into doing YouTube and... Um, Call myself the apostate of Oz. I thought that was good. Use my my youngest daughter, who's little Dorothy, who likes to poke her head in whenever possible. And um, so I went along those lines, and then um, of course there was the sixty-two apostate video. Yeah. Got involved in that, which was yeah, it was fun. And um, from that, I've got a couple of websites. One which is just um, called jwhelp.me, and it's basically just a Oh, I like that. It's a, it's, a, it's a website that if there was an ex-JW, or like a fading JW or someone who was looking, uh, it's just basically a point to say, look, go and have a look at these websites, JW Facts, and, and you know, all the usual ones, JW yeah. Struggle, you know, you're not alone in, in having doubts, and, and so just a very positive website that there's nothing, you know, to t- turn off people, because when I was still a JW, I started looking online, and I think one of the first sites I came across was Rick Finn on that Screams of the Watchtower, and I was like, holy crap. It, you know, even the colours are quite scary, aren't they, at first, well, you, yeah, if you're not I used to it? over for a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, got courage back and, and whatnot. But so I didn't want to do anything like that. And uh, another project that I would in no way officially connect my name to it. No. Because... No. You just know JW about it. Sex, yeah, it's called jwsexoffenderslist.org, and um, it's, a, it's a website that's uh, actually sitting on the same server that WikiLeaks is in Iceland, so it's untouchable. Very nice. Uh, and it, yes, and, it, and it's uh, basically, if the Watchtower won't tell the, the congregation members who a sex offender is in their midst, well, that website has no fear in, in listing it. But it's not, you know, unfounded accusation. Every person who's listed on that, there's a link to either a newspaper about yeah. their court case or a sex offenders list in the US. And where possible, the congregation that they're still actively serving or in Useful. is listed as well. So, yeah. yeah. Plus there's all the Watchtower manuals that uh, they don't want you to read on there, uh, like the Branch Overseers Manual, the yeah. Elders you know, book, the Pioneers book, the Circuit Overseers book, and they're, they're getting massive downloads. That's quite a resource. What I'll do is I'll put the links to that on um, when we get this uploaded. Yeah. Now, I'm really keen to introduce our famous um, comedian from Ireland, which is Dara O'Brien. Neil, how are you? Hello. Hi, Louise. Hi, William. How are you doing? Hi, <laughs> guys. Thank you very much. Now, Neil, can you hear me okay? we can hear you. You do sound exactly like Dara O'Brien, don't you? I, I really hope not. No? Do I? I don't do you... know. I don't mind either way. Bill, can I ask you a question? 
Sure, fine. It, it's tomorrow where you are right now, isn't it? Sunday <laughs> morning. Has Armageddon come yet? No. Oh, no. no. But the light is getting brighter. Oh, it is. It's another day to preach and bring in new members. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, my. Neil, will you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yes, yes, I will, Louise. Uh, I started the whole ex-Jehovah's Witness thing uh, about... <laughs> I sort of started it on and off. I left the Jehovah's the Witness. Now, yeah. All of us? No, 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 I didn't start it. That sounds very arrogant. You were the original apostate, like the yeah, first me, one. Me and, me and Raymond Franz, we left <laughs> the chapel together. Okay. <laughs> now, what happened is I left about 15 years ago. And uh, I just—I was sort of on my outs, but I was still pretty devout. But I just thought, like, like many of us, I thought maybe it's just my kingdom hall that's crap, and that the truth is the truth, and it's just my hall that's rubbish. It's just my hall that has bad elders uh, and criminals, and never, nothing ever gets sorted. But it must be right. And then I moved out of my house finally, my mum and dad's house, and I got the internet. It was the old dial-up internet, and I found. Uh, the old, I don't even know if you guys remember, but it was an old website for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses called H2O. No. Uh, H2O oh. is, now you can, you can find the archives for it online, uh, but it's obviously long kaput now, but H2O is the original ex-Jehovah's Witness website. It's, it's the very first website for ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, and it was populated by all these fantastic names from my past. Uncle Bruce from, from <laughs> Australia, if you're listening to this, was a guy I was very fond of. Uh, the late, great Farkle. I've done a few videos with his material. Was a really clever ex, or ex Jehovah's Witness, and I went online because basically I was just nosy. And he, this guy Farkel, was saying mean things about the Jehovah's Witnesses. And my first comment ever online, the very first thing I ever typed, other than my AOL address, was, uh, "How dare you say these terrible things? You know Jehovah's Witnesses are right. You know we're right on the blood issue." You know we're right on these, you know, on the, and I wrote a whole list, and I was just so angry at him for what he'd said. Wow. And uh, then basically I waited, and there was thunderous laughter at my expense. And initially uh, they thought I was a troll, you know, that I must, I was just so, so devout that I must be making this up. But then a few people, it's true, and then a few people uh, sort of said, listen, if you're serious, son, then you need to really think hard. And somebody mentioned that and, uh, what do you call it, a member of the governing body had written a book. And I went, what? Huh. And they said, yeah, you, you can buy it. Just go to Amazon. So then I joined Amazon for the first time ever, ordered a book from America, and then I ordered, and then I got it about a week later, read it in one night, like I'm sure we all did. And then I ordered Crisis of Conscience, and it took like two weeks to come, and I was on tenderhooks. And, uh, of course, by the end of Crisis of Conscience, I knew it was all bullshit. So, uh, I packed it in. Uh, I stopped going to meetings completely, although it was about two years before I actually wrote my uh, my disassociation letter, which I've done, again, I've read on a video that I now have on a YouTube channel. But uh, then what happened is I actually took my uh, took crisis of conscience to the presiding overseer because I was still <gasps> really worried that I was being fooled by Satan. Oh, you I crazy took, fool. I, I know. Well, actually, this is where it gets cool because I took it, and me and the guy, his name's Roland Inman, I took the book to Roland and his wife Vera, really smart. They used to be uh, missionaries. He was the presiding overseer. They worked in the London Bethel. He was a substitute uh, circuit overseer. You know, when he stopped being an elder, when he stood down as an elder, shortly uh, after in this story, he got a letter from Brooklyn 
from Brooklyn himself, stating that he was one of the gifts in man specified in such and such a scripture. So he was a really well thought of guy. But anyway, I took the, uh, the book to him and I said, Roland, I have known you and loved you since you know I was a child. And uh, we had been friends. We, we both liked going to the mountains, walking together. And he seemed to be the only elder who took a young man to the mountains and didn't sexually abuse him, which is good. So uh, he took me off into the mountains for years and we went to, you know, into the mountains together. And uh, I said to him, I am really worried here. I've read this book. Please, you know, get it right. And he says, Neil, you've done a terrible thing, but I love you. and I'm going to read this and I'm going to show you what's wrong. And I thought, okay, great. So I came back about, again about two days later and Roland and his wife, he's a very quiet lady, were both sitting there looking at me. And they said, it's all a lie, Neil. We've wasted our whole lives. <gasps> oh, good. Yeah. Nice. And I said, what, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> and they said, yeah, it's a lie. Well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this book. It's completely accurate. And, you know, we can't fault it. Uh, so he said to me, I've written my letter of resignation <gasps> as the circuit overseer while I, while I think about things. And oh. uh, so I stopped going and drifted off quietly. Uh, my mom and dad were still witnesses, and they were quite grumpy. I had found a girlfriend who now is my wife, uh, is now asleep next door, and uh, she was really supportive, but uh, I still see Roland and Vera. Vera's sort of terminally ill at the moment, but Roland and I still, I still chat with him and visit him every couple of weeks, and uh, he's, uh, he's still a great apostate himself, although the rumours going around him is that he's become a Satanist. But, uh, he hasn't, of course. He's become a Methodist, which I don't think is the same thing. Are they similar? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so that's what happened. And then the sad thing is, whenever this happened, Roland and I basically went on a big spurge of telling all the witnesses in Lisbon that this is nonsense. And uh, when it happened, about I think it ended up about 17 or maybe 20 people in total left the Kingdom Hall, just quit. Holy uh, crap, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant at the time. It became a big deal. Uh, a, a guy who had just got baptised with five children read the book and then said, oh, no, big mistake. Never came back again. Uh, another another couple read the book, disappeared. Roland had left. I left. My mum and dad then later on left uh, when I had managed to convince my mum to finally read it. Uh, so they packed it in. In fact, they, 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 they read the book whenever I was on holiday with my now fiancé, uh, then fiancé at the time. And when I got back, they had taken all their books and literature and burnt them because they said they didn't want it to be one of those stories at the assembly hall about a bin man finding all the literature <laughs> and becoming a witness so they burnt it instead so it was really good it was really a huge success and uh, I still get success from it because one of the first things I did as an apostate tell me if I'm talking to no long. please carry on this is amazing well it was a good story and it worked out well but one of the first things I did online uh, probably about five years after all that uh, two, 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 two years after that, is I wrote a letter of disassociation finally to the witnesses, just to, for myself really to say I'm done with you. And uh, I wrote that, sent it to Bethel, and I, although I'd never had a visit since I stopped going to the meetings, I still haven't. Fifteen years later, never had a shepherding call at once. Um, but then I, I went onto the Facebook page, and you know how some kingdom halls have their own Facebook page? No. Yeah, some of them do. Really? Not, yeah, not many, but some king, some people have you know, set up the Lisbon Kingdom Hall Facebook page and there'll be a picture of the body of the elders standing there in the Kingdom Hall and it's just a way to... Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not common but you can find it and if you type in Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses Lisbon you'll find my old Kingdom Hall's page but the problem is it's, I think it's very hard to delete it once it's made and you can't uh, remove reviews 
So, you know, if I, if I go onto your page and say, Bill, you effing whatever, you can just go, hey, who's this idiot? And just, you know, wipe my comments. But you can't, if you, if you have a site on Facebook for your business or something like that, uh. and, and I leave a review, you're screwed. That review's on it. So I wrote this long review about, Kingdom, about the Kingdom Hall, and that was my first apostate act. About how I was all full of nepotism, pedophiles, and you know thieves, and you know how the, the windows were very small, and at the top of this was to prevent you from escaping, and all these many things. And uh, so I wrote this, and that was one of the first things. But you know, I never thought any more about it. But you know, since then, I have met stacks of people, and the, who are either still witnesses or who have subsequently left. And without without fail, the first thing they say is, "I read your review of Lisbon King." <laughs> Neil, that is truly awesome. You're like the second great apostasy in Ireland. I think it's true. It probably was the second biggest. You know what pisses me off? Go on. They get, the society and all the elders gave the credit to Roland. Oh. The former presiding overseer. So they just assumed it all came from him. But it wasn't. It was me. It was you. Oh, <laughs> man. And I, I joke with him sometimes because he laughs. He knows that this annoys me. And he, uh, he always keeps me going. And I'm like, uh, uh, it's so frustrating. I want the credit for, for it. Yeah. Hey, Neil, just a question. In Ireland, we were, we were always told that if you wanted to have a beard as a JW, you had to go either live in Denmark or Ireland. Is that true? Uh, you, can have a, you could have a beard. I had a beard for a brief time, but all the same rules would apply. You'd, still, you'd almost certainly be refused any, permit, any, any privileges in the Kingdom Hall. And uh, I remember one of my most more obsequious moments, and I really, you know... You know, you know those moments when you really humbled yourself before Ja? <laughs> so I remember, you know, as a, as a fellow trying to gain privileges, and I had a full beard, and I was, it was sort of at the, about a year before I quit the, or before I read Raymond France, and a bunch of English pioneers came over. Do you know how you guys like to do that? Oh, um, Come yeah. Come over the need is greater. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, so they came over, they came over to Lisbon, right? And there was about ten of them, and one of them mentioned my beard, and I had gone out in service with them all week, and I was feeling a bit more you know, like I was doing something valuable, and I went home and I shaved my beard off, mm. and then I came back to the Kingdom Hall, and they were all like, oh, Neil, you're so humble, whoa, <laughs> what a good guy, and I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to vomit in my mouth a little bit about my own, my own weakness. <laughs> that thing about um, people coming over from England, basically what it was, it was like kids like me, I didn't go over by the way, but like, you know, yeah. you you need a bit of excitement in your life, but you're a Jehovah's Witness, so there's nothing you can do, is there? The only thing you can no. do is move country, and Ireland was really close, so your mum and dad could pay for you to go over, and is That's it right. true that you could still claim unemployment benefit? Because I'm certain that I uh-huh. knew people yes. who went over there to pioneer and basically claimed unemployment benefit while they were over there. Now, I have to make it clear, I live, in, I live outside Belfast, so yeah. I'm in the United Kingdom, and all our rules are exactly the same as your rules, yeah. okay? So, no, you couldn't do it up here, which is why none of the pioneers came here. Yeah, they all went to Southern Ireland. You know, Southern Ireland, yeah. and the deal was, and as, as I recall, as I understand it, it still is, you could work three days a week yeah. and declare what you earned. Now, most people did not declare what they earned. Yeah. yeah. So, you declare what you earned, and you wouldn't get the, the money section of your unemployment, but you'd still get paid, you still get help with your house, yeah. you still get, yeah. you know, all your free prescriptions and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing that I gathered from this little arrangement from people that I knew that had gone over was that they, they thought we were told the need was great. Do you know what I mean? You were all flapping about yes. in apostasy over there and you needed yes. fine upstanding people like the British 
to come over and help you and when we got over there all helpful and happy you were proper pissed off at us and we weren't welcome at all and you didn't you weren't very I mean, nice to us is what I heard I, I don't know I was always friends and I'll tell you oh, bless. Honest, if, this, if this gets widely reviewed or widely watched <laughs> there's an ex-Jehovah there's a Jehovah's Witness I really hope she's still an ex she's an ex mm-hmm. now but I was I was great friends with uh, with a pioneer from England from Cornwall called Steffi Coppolo and uh, she she was actually one of my first fancies. Oh. And uh, she uh, she I I say I don't know what happened to her. I hope she's not a witness anymore. But if she ever hears this, tell her please to get in touch with me. Oh, because, that'd be amazing. Uh, uh, no, I I always liked the English people who came over. The, the only problem is you would find is that there was and we're talking again from my perspective twenty twenty five years mm. ago. And there was sometimes an attitude yeah. from some English people that I, came across that that's... we were like you know the bog wogs. Yeah. You know, exactly. We, we were we were thick and uneducated. And in fairness, lots of us were thick and uneducated. Well, in fairness, <laughs> lots of us were as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we all were. No, I thought all those ones were sent as convicts down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where our, our country came from. Well, do you know what? Do you know down the road from me, Bill? Do you know what there is? There's a museum which used to be a courthouse, and on the wall is a list of the thousands of people that were uh, sent to Australia from it. Uh, yeah, it's in Hillsborough. The jammy buggers. I, they were, Australia won't let me in. I looked at the points system. I was born in Australia. And they won't let me in. I thought, I'm a teacher. I teach maths. It's got to be a shortage subject. Surely they'll have me. No, I don't have enough points. Screw you. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair, is it? My brother got in. My brother's in Perth right now. Oh, wow. Is he still a witness? Is he JW? No, he's a, he's a, he's an apostate. You you probably see him on Facebook. He, I think he liked one of your comments recently. His name's Stephen Gardner. Yeah, so you'll you'll see I'll him about the Facebook page of Stephen Gardner. Look out for him. So, um, Neil, uh, you do have um, you do do videos, don't you? Do you want to tell people I, what your channel is called? Oh yes, yes I do. I have a channel called the Great Apostate, and it's on YouTube. And if you just type in the Great Apostate, I'm now so proud to say it is now the number one search result. Whoa! Really? So, uh, yeah, it's like a great on YouTube. I know it's an odd name anyway, so it should be, but for the longest time it wasn't. Uh, but it now is. So it's uh, the great apostate, and you can go on and you can see all my silly, my silly videos. And as I said to you before, uh, I started making my videos. I made my first video uh, as sort of therapy because the Jehovah's Witness stuff had been really getting on me. And it's the first video was still there, and it was mm-hmm. kind of you know really dull and me just talking into the microphone and my first tenor like that. And uh, I actually get, I actually spoke to Lloyd Evans, and I said, uh, Lloyd, I'm making this video. You know, if you want, you can put it on your on your JW survey. Maybe some people will watch it, uh-huh. do some good. And he did do that. Brilliant. Uh, and he he actually posted a little detail about the channel that I had and stuff. And I, but I had no intention of doing more videos. And then uh, you know yourself, once you start doing YouTube videos, and then people like them, you you can become a YouTube whore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I know, I'm looking at it and I have 1,937 subscribers, and, uh, I, you know, I never think, you know, it's amazing to me, because uh, I worked it out, because I'm bored, boringly, I worked it out, because you can go on the analytics on your channel, and find out how much time has been spent, and I would have had to have been a regular pioneer for about 16 years, to have spent the same amount of time as people have watched my videos. That is such a good way of thinking about it. And it's the same, it's the same for your channel as well, you know. Uh, but then somebody commented, on, when I, I actually wrote that, in my, I actually put that on one of my videos, 
and somebody wrote and said, it's easy to see you were Jehovah's Witness, you're still counting your time. <laughs> so I was going to ask everyone, just put it out there, what type of activism do you think is working where you live now? Right, well, you know, we haven't had the Royal Commission um, go through here in Australia. You'd be surprised. It, it wasn't, oh, look, it got very little publicity. I was... Look, we were, we were really surprised how little news coverage was given to it. Um, you know, it was it was not the mainstream uh, media that really covered it. They only got a mention when the the Catholic Church was called before it, um, being sort of the highest profile. But um, it was yeah, it was it was a really quiet here. Um, there was a lot of um, well, look, let's be honest, talking about activism. Mm. Um, you know, there's a whole sphere, and and when uh, Neil and I were actually guests on the Vast Apostate Hour show mm-hmm. and sort of raised the subject there because there's you know a lot of controversy about methods of activism, mm-hmm. and basically you've got the two. Let's go back to the JW terminology and let's call it. Remember the old days, you'd be out fishing for men. Oh yeah. Women. And think of it in that terms and think of activism as the same. So we have one end of the scale, which is, you know, fly fishing, which is <laughs> delicately touching the water with a nice little fly and, you know, attracting the fish to it and tricking and getting them out. And then the other end of the scale is someone lighting a stick of dynamite and throwing it into the water. You know, yeah. Both of those forms catch fish. Yeah. You know? That's a good way of looking at it. Well, it is. Depends whether you want your fish dead or not, doesn't it? (laughs) A bit stunned. Okay. A bit stunned. But the end result is that they've woken up, and and that's you know everything's different. And but the thing about all those types of methods is the the point of their activism is to save people. So it's proactivism. So I, I really hate that labelling of you know this one form is better than another. Yeah. All forms of activism. Activism are good. I don't agree with, you know, and, and everyone basically agrees with that too. I, I don't like seeing the videos where someone's camera in the face of like an elderly couple who mm. are out witnessing in their face and mocking them and making yeah. fun of them. I mean, that's just mean. Mm. My kids are still, my oldest children are still JWs and I'd hate to think someone, you know, confronting them like that, yeah. um, you know, to, to mock them. Fine to confront them to try and make them wake up, but where, where it's just mockery and that type of thing, I think that's, you know, that's immature and wouldn't have an effect other than confirming that they're, you know, that Satan attacking them. So, yeah, oh, you're right now. No, I was going to say I agree with that to an extent, right? No, first of all, I agree with your whole first part, right? And I, I think that's totally right. I think the big mistake that people make, uh, and I made it myself until not so long ago, because I didn't like the whole, uh, you know, invading Kingdom Hall stuff. I thought that was kind of horrible. Mm. I've changed my opinion on that, to be honest. Mm. You know, but you know why I've changed my opinion? Because it's none of my business. You know, who am I? Who am I to go and tell Bill, or you know, or Louise how they should they should vent their feelings? Yeah, and we're not Jehovah's Witnesses anymore. We don't have to. No. There's not there's not a book for how you do it. We don't have we don't to approve or disapprove anymore. Just because exactly. you wouldn't do something doesn't mean somebody you should stop exactly. someone else from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some there's some types of activism I think I think are almost pointless. But it's, I don't think they're wrong. You know, I, I had a conversation with Derek O'Hare not so long ago. Now, Derek is the king of, of aggressive activism. You know, I like him. He's a lovely man. But I told him, you know, myself, you know, we've chatted and I said that I think that 
for the amount of time and stress you put on your life, I don't think it was worthwhile. Mm. Because, you know, you, we're all supposed to leave and have a better life. And I think that you should do that first and then fit the, the activism around you. But that's just my opinion. If you want to keep doing it, crack on. But the other thing you, you'd said is that uh, about mocking people. Now, I'm all about mockery. But I wouldn't, oh, mock, yeah. I wouldn't mock you to your face. Hey. I wouldn't come up yeah. to you. You know, with a camera in your face and be rude to you. I'd do it behind your back, yeah. like a decent person. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. My, my, my attitude, and I've said this before, right, is I think that Jehovah's Witnesses are, and all cults, right, they're, they're like, a, like a, a well, okay? So, oh my God, little Jimmy's fallen down the well, right? Let's all pull little Jimmy out. But first of all, let's put some caution tape around it so little Susie and little Tim don't fall down the well too. Yeah. There's no point in you and, and us three spending our time and we saying, oh, we got somebody out. Isn't that brilliant? But we didn't stop other people from joining. And it's my opinion that the best way to stop people from joining is to make stacks of videos where you just rip the hell yes. out of the stupidity of them. Inoculation. So time, yes. So that the general public will, will maybe see my video and as a, a quarter of a million people have, have seen just my silly site. You know? Oh, the whole apostate community of millions of people in them, and they'll see that and they'll think the next time a Jehovah's Witness knocks on their door when they're vulnerable maybe they'll just think oh yeah I remember seeing a stupid video about how ridiculous they are how you know women can't divorce their husbands if they if they have sex with animals oh yeah those are crazy people Neil that's that, yeah that's right and that's why here um, in Australia um, there hasn't really been that in your face activism I mean I'm sure there has been on, on minor levels and mm. different ones would do stuff like that but what the view here is is to try and educate like you said educate other people so they don't yeah. get trapped into it and yeah. wherever possible whenever possible um, be it on you know newspaper websites wherever we just basically do anti-witnessing to say look you know behind the smiles of these nice people who knock on your door yeah. ask them about why why do they apply a Bible scripture that protects pedophiles within their Absolutely. Ask them about the two eyewitness rule. You know, even in the Royal Commission, if you watch that, the you know the the judge and the uh, the main advocate, they were you know asking Jeffrey Jackson, well, why don't you apply the scripture that says if a, a woman is uh, you know raped in a field mm. with no eyewitnesses other than her and the person who did it, and she tells the you know the older men of the city they stoned stoned him. The, the guy that perpetrated to death. Yeah. So why not apply that? Well, and yeah, yeah, they obviously had no answer for it. But um, <clears throat> so that's what we try and do here is yeah, warn people. Like you said, we're putting that warning tape out around the the hole yeah. to say, look, you know, don't fall into it. Yeah. Ask questions. Look behind the smile. And that's the thing. A lot of people just don't even know who Jehovah's Witnesses are. There's such a no. a minority in yeah. Australia. There's only about well. This was a few years ago. There's, there's only about 75,000 Jehovah's Witnesses in a 23 million population. Yeah, that's small. So it's very small. Yeah. That's why they didn't get much coverage. I think the problematic activism, I think it depends on the motivation. So if the motivation is you're so wound up with your own feelings that it's making you do something, it's not about the Witnesses, it's about you. And you're never going to feel any better. And that's a poor kind of activism because it's not about them. It's about trying to appease your own feelings. And that's a problem because what you probably need is some therapy or some help or some personal development work to get you past your own feelings. 
Once your activism is about other people, trying to help them, trying to protect them, trying to inoculate them, then I think whatever you're doing, because the motivation is about them and not about you, I think then what you're doing is probably a good thing. And also people are at different stages in in their in their journey of leaving. Yeah. People are at different stages in what they believe. I mean, when I first left the Jehovah's Witnesses, I became an evangelical Christian. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was there standing there in the back of, uh, you know, one of those churches with the, you know, the, 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 the cool rock band music and waving my hands in the air singing about Jesus, you know, because that, that's where I was at. And now, you know, to be honest with you, what happened, well, one of the reasons I stopped being particularly religious, we lost our first kid. Oh. And uh, when my wife was, you know, quite a lot far along, and uh, we, and I, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, as you're sitting there crying your eyes out, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking to myself, not, oh, I'm really angry at God for for letting this happen, but I remember thinking to myself, how arrogant of me believing in God when all things when things when, when things were going really good, oh. and and just ignoring all the terrible suffering mm-hmm. in the world and saying, oh, God's got a plan for that because yeah. it wasn't happening to me. Yeah. When suddenly when it happens to me, I'm like, God, hello, what was the plan there? Yeah. Oh, that's you know, cool. so I stopped, I stopped believing, and then I remember, I got a message from, you probably, maybe you guys know him, there's a sort of, is he a Welsh guy called Alan Michaels, or Alan Williams, or something? He's yeah. He's an SJW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. If he watches this, I, I do think you're a bit crazy, Alan, but he commented on <laughs> one of my videos not so long ago, and he says, I hope when you're doing all these videos, you're trying to direct people towards Jesus Christ. I don't know if I know. Absolutely not. I was in a cult. Why would you listen to me? <laughs> Why would you trust me to join a religion? <laughs> I am the least reliable source, mate. All I know is about the terrible, the, what was wrong with the cult I was in. Don't believe another thing. It's <laughs> funny how you you almost jump out of one frying pan into the fire. Mm-hmm. I was getting in, invited because I've done a lot of work for um, one of one of my workmates had recently converted to Mormonism. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was an electrician, a, a TAFE teacher, and but he didn't have the time. Not people in his congregation were like, oh, yeah, can you do some electrical work? And it's like, oh, I haven't got the time, but I've got a friend of mine who's, you know, he's a Jehovah's Witness, but he's a nice guy and whatnot. So I ended up doing a lot of uh, electrical work for, the like, the high-up Mormons in Sydney. And they were always like, oh, you know, you should they try and witness to me. <laughs> earlier about the great apostasies of Ireland um, yeah. so we, you must have been a witness when the great apostasy happened because I remember in England 
hearing about it and we we were told we were just given this message that you know the irish were so such bad witnesses that literally whole congregations had had to be disfellowshipped and obviously we didn't know it was anything to do with those two lovely brothers that flew over to america to find out what what was going on with them friends what an amazing story the english were told that the irish were rebelling yeah isn't that odd yeah we were (laughs) we were told okay yes Go ahead. Yes, that was yeah. Sorry, yes, I was there, and I must confess, I was only about seven or eight. Uh. Maybe, yeah, and we we had actually lived briefly in Canada, and then we returned because my dad actually had a bad industrial injury, and we came back home. But we had emigrated to Canada officially, initially, and we came back. We were, we were Jehovah's Witnesses through and through, and we decided that we would uh, we were going to the, we went to the RDS assembly in Dublin, and uh, they were outside with bags on their heads. Really. Yes, and I remember looking, and as a kid, you're kind of upset, Yeah. and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, but you see, the thing about, the, about them, you know yourself, they're so manipulative, right? Mm. And we were told, don't go near those people, those are apostates. And I remember they made big plays that, that year of the assembly, talking about how this was, this was a sign that the end was near, and that we were all going to be persecuted, and then they made a big play about how the Jehovah's Witness children were taken off their parents <gasps> by the uh, Nazis. Uh, at the beginning of the Nazi regime, and I remember walking through the RDS grounds, which were quite pretty, holding my dad's hand at you know seven or eight, and I remember saying to Dad, "What are you going to do when they come to take you off, or take us off you?" Oh and man! So I, I, you know, I'm, for the longest time, my attitude was that uh, I was going to be, uh, you know, t- I was going to end up in a home because you know I was a Jehovah's Witness, and that was the thing. I thought that that was all going to happen, but the Jehovah's Witnesses turned uh, John May and the other fella. Yeah. Uh, protesting they turned it to their advantage and it never really got any very much ground uh other than the fact that one congregation sort of went but here do you know what i came up on a theory do you want to hear us yeah okay you know how whenever they say brothers brothers have you ever considered serving where the need is greater okay (laughs) and the you potter offer they tell you in your congregation oh we need brothers to go to lisburn congregation because they did yeah they did say that and about 20 people from all over England and Scotland and Ireland moved to, to Lisbon Congregation and that was brilliant but they said we really need it because the need is great in Lisbon I think whenever they say the need is great what they're actually saying is we've just had a whole bunch of apostates leave and we need we need to pack out the congregation with fresh meat so it, so it doesn't look yeah. like we're, we're losers I think that's what they're saying I think yeah. when they say well, the need is great yeah. I think they're actually going holy crap we just had another bunch of apostates yeah yeah, I Quick, replace them, because that's exactly what they did in Lisbon. And in fact, I got a message from a lovely woman who I can't, who I won't name because I don't know whether she'd let me. But yeah. she's, a, she's, a, a, a just leaving Jehovah's Witness from my old Kingdom Hall, Ooh. and she found my videos and said, uh, uh, "I'm still going to that hall, but it's all exactly, it's exactly the same, just to let you know." Really? As you said it was in your time, and then I got asking her, you know, well, what did they say? Because she had just joined. Wow. After, in fact, she had just moved there, rather, uh, as one of those knees greater people. And I had said to her, uh, well, what did they say? And she says they told everyone they're not allowed to talk about it. Wow. Yeah, they told everyone in the hall, you can't talk about it anymore. Don't even speak about it. Oh, my God. And, uh, that's it. Talk about information control. Whole subjects. Do they have it pinned up on the notice board? Subjects you are not allowed to discuss. Is it like a super injunction where you're not allowed to talk about the subjects that you're not allowed to talk about? They're that, they're that v- verboten. 
Yeah, I think I think that's probably that'll that'll be the future. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Bill, did you ever well, hear about the Great Apostasy of Ireland? Do you know, I we didn't. <laughs> but but I, I did watch that YouTube. Um, it's an old, obviously an old recording of those two brothers from Ireland who who went over to talk talk yeah. about it and how they got fobbed off and basically you know booted out. But um, we didn't hear that that much. I mean, Australia was quite isolated, but I do remember in the early eighties the, the rumours about oh there was an apostasy in the the you know head office in Brooklyn and a whole lot were scourged and disfellowshipped and yeah you know, that was obviously Ray Franz, but there wasn't lots. But uh, yeah, that was sort of a it was whispered whispered quietly you know about it. So yeah, we were quite isolated from hearing all all of the. Uh, yeah, juicy stories. I know. Pre-internet, everybody was isolated, weren't they? Mm, it was only if you had an insider yeah. who you know connected, who knew, and and would, and they all gossip, of course. So of course. you'd find out. Yeah, but not anymore because they did that new video. So now no one will gossip. That's been solved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other topic that I wanted to talk about briefly was shunning, because um, I think you've both been shunned, have you? Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen the latest JW.org? There's a There's an article about do Jehovah's Witnesses shun, and uh-huh. it's like you know basically you go oh you know can can Jehovah's Witnesses leave? Oh yes, you know one can write a letter of disassociation, and it's like a real clinical yeah. piece of crap. But it's uh, you know, and, and they sort of deny the shunning thing that you know if you leave, well it's you know we're not shunning you, you've left, and you know. What you're getting is basically your own, you know. Yes, it's your fault. Your own fault. Yeah, blame the victim. Yeah. Shunning, look, it's happened a few times to me. One was, uh, uh, it was a, it was a good friend of mine who, who, he blanked me completely. I was in an electrical wholesaler, I was getting parts, and, and I saw him at the can- counter, and, and I'll call him Andy to protect his identity. <laughs> he, uh, he is that his counter, real name? Stuff. They know me, but 
I guess it's because in that 62 apostate video, I was standing outside their kingdom hall <laughs> and recording it, so I think they, they sort of sort of know who I am. But the funny thing is, um, we, we were shopping uh, two weeks ago, and you know how you, you sort of see someone and it sort of clicks, oh, I know them, and it was this yeah. older lady, and, and I was like, oh, that's a sister from my congregation in Sydney. So I was like, oh, I was sort of built up the courage to... Because, you, you know, you don't want to be shunned. No one likes to get slapped. No. Slapped down, but I thought, well, okay, I'll go and say... I said, oh, Margaret, hello. And she looked at me and she was like... And I thought, maybe she's got a bit of dementia coming on, I don't know, but she, she had to be reminded what my surname was, so that's a bit of a depressed to the ego. But, <laughs> and uh, she goes... And this was the thing, she goes, are you still going to the hall? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> oh, you must, you must, you must. You've, you've got to come back to the kingdom hall. You've got to come back to the kingdom hall. Do you know where yeah, the... so close. Yeah. Do you know where the Baptist kingdom hall is? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I did build it. I put the alarm system in it. I didn't say, I did a video outside of it. <laughs> and so she, and she blanked my wife. She totally oh. ignored Michelle. Just wouldn't get, you know give her the, the slightest look, so it was like, oh, yeah, so it was nice, I was expecting to get shunned. That might not have been shunning though, Bill, that might not have been shunning, she Sorry. might have just fancied you, and been pissed oh, off at your wife. That's funny, that's what Michelle said. Yeah. Too. <laughs> <laughs> How old was she? So that was mine, but I, I've copped a few other shunning from, but none directly from family. Yeah, I got a good nice. stunning story you like. I know this is oh, the best. Oh come story. on! I, 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 I told you the story. I said that. I know. Okay, You've not I'll told me it right though. There, okay. No, no, okay. Tell the full glory of it. <laughs> okay, right. So I had left the Kingdom Hall, right, about probably six months, not even maybe three months, right, and uh, people knew, you know, that Roland had left, and it was the whole apostate things was, was starting to come out pretty bad, and. Uh, I was driving down the road, uh, the Lisbon Road, just outside in my town, going to Belfast, and it was pouring rain. It was like, just really, really, really terrible rain. And as I was driving on the road, I saw an old man walking down the road. And I knew where he was walking because he was a Jehovah's Witness, and he was walking. And about a mile and a half to go to his house. Now, I can tell you, his name's Ted Hagen because he's dead now. Now, Ted Hagen was a paedophile. He was a, a very serious paedophile, mm. and he'd, been, he'd lived in Canada. And when he'd served his long, long sentence for abusing his, his daughters, he was kicked out of the country, and he was sent back to Northern Ireland to live. Uh, and his sister was a Jehovah's Witness in our Kingdom Hall, a lovely disabled lady called Dawn, who's dead too, and uh, used to help take her to the Kingdom Hall. And uh, she was a lovely lady. But anyway, he came back and he lived in the same Kingdom Hall. So anyway, I stopped, even though I knew what he'd done, he was still a human being, and yet it's hard because, you know, people who aren't witnesses can't understand, but you still felt like he was a Jehovah's Witness. You know, mm. and... Uh, you know, you had something that you shared. And I, so I stopped the car and I said, I'm not going to let an old man walk and nearly die in the rain. He was in his 70s at this point. And I said, uh, get in, get in, Ted, I'll take you to your house. So he got in all grateful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was only as I was driving down that I realized he was mistaking me for my older and slightly better looking brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said to him, I said, no, Ted, I said, you're mistaken. I said, uh, I'm Neil. You're thinking of Stephen. So he's my big brother. And then he looked at me, and of course it all came to who for him, and he realized it all just made sense. And he looked at me, and the smile dropped off his face, and he said, stop the car. 
And I stopped the car about 100 <laughs> yards further down the road towards his house. And he got back out in the pouring rain without another word and walked off. Shunned by a pedophile. Shunned by a pedophile. And I'm the person who invited a pedophile into my van. My God. That takes a biscuit, doesn't it? No, it's, and it's absolutely true. It's my absolutely God. true. It's a classic, that one. That is a well, What can I tell you? No. <laughs> it is a classic. It's a thing of yeah. beauty. No, no. But I, I didn't like Ted. He was actually a genuinely unpleasant person. Not so <laughs> well, yeah. He liked to abuse young girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what can I tell you? You know, he was, it was just, to me, it was like, oh, my God. Did you not want to jump out and punch him in the face? He was just so old. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was just such he a can't, yeah. I did. He was just an oh, old, wrinkly man. Oh I just God. thought, you know, you can't, you're going to die in this rain, man. And, yeah. You know, that was it. Oh. I know I, I have had the shunning as well, you know, and hey, you're right, Bill. You don't like it. It's not nice. And it, uh, even when you know you're in the right, it, it's unpleasant. Mm. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, you were on the other day with me when we did the vast apostadar, and I told you that there's a guy who shuns me still, and he's the guy, he's one of the guys who actually opened up my mind to reading the crisis of conscience because wow. he was an elder in my kingdom hall and his name was Ray Dodson he's still in he's, he's still in my kingdom hall my old kingdom hall uh, but he's not an elder anymore because he was so bad they actually kicked, they actually removed him uh, really such a horrible man and uh, he was so just abusive and ignorant and rude and caused so much upset in our and more families that I thought to myself at some point Jehovah cannot be choosing these people if they've mm. allowed this man to be a leader and uh, that's why I read the book. But anyway, uh, I, saw, I saw him about six months ago, and he was in Iceland, uh, in Lisbon, and he was now, he's now in a wheelchair because I think he has AMS. And uh, I remember, I, of course, he couldn't escape now because it's harder to shun people when you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> so I can just, just stand in front of him, and he, he has to turn around in a circle, and then I can just follow him around, and he stands in front of him again. So, you know... While he, while he stood there, he looked at me and he went, "Hello, Neil. I see you're a family man now." And I, you know, I was stretching my arms and stuff, and you know, you know, like bending my knees and stuff, and you know, getting up on my toes and stuff, just to be like, you know, ah, oh, yeah, you'll never do that again, will you, boy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You know, that's all his bad karma has put him there. He was, yes. he was so genuinely evil. God, we deserve to be. But uh, so anyway, that was. Uh, to me, it was great because he couldn't even shun me. And his wife, who is, who is actually a lovely lady called Celia, she was in the queue and she was just dying to get to her husband, but she couldn't leave a grocery. <laughs> so she was just shooting me dirty looks while I kept walking around in circles with her husband. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Me outside. You cannot do it. That's beautiful. <laughs> when you said you saw him in Iceland, I thought you were both international travellers. <laughs> oh, God forbid. No, we were getting those free, you were getting those cheap chips. <laughs> well, I've got a beautiful story that ties in both of the topics we've talked about tonight, which is both um, activism and shunning. And you've probably seen this post already on Recovery Group 3, and I asked Alan Henderson if I could read it out, because it is an amazing piece of activism. So he describes it at a conference somewhere, and he goes up to the witnesses at the carts, and he says, I'll just read what he says. I said I was a Mormon, and I no longer agreed with the church, and that this stance had caused my entire family to shun me. I then asked if they felt it was okay that someone lose their family just because they disagreed with their religion. Absolutely not, was the response. 
So he says to him, so you as Jehovah's Witnesses would never shun someone just because they no longer agreed with that. No, absolutely not, they say. So he gets them to clarify this in a few different ways. And then he, he outs himself and says that he used to be a pioneer, served where the need was greater, probably your congregation, Neil. Um, etc. etc. I asked. <laughs> <laughs> it says I asked how they felt having to lie in order to present an acceptable face for their religion. Then they tried to say it depends on the circumstances. I kept focusing on the fact they lied to me. They said, "Well, you can't say everything at first, To which I responded, "What association does light have with darkness?" Finally, I asked if it was okay that my family had no association with me because I simply didn't agree with their teachings. The woman at the cart responded, they're free to do as they want. So he says, I asked the man if he was an elder, and he was. Then I asked if within the shepherd, the flock of God, it teaches that if someone continually associates with a disfellowshipped one, whether or not that potential, that's potential grounds for disfellowshipping, and he was forced to say it was. So I turned to the sister and asked, Where's the free will? How can they decide if they want to associate with me if the consequences are so severe? She tried to say it was a personal choice, but I asked if they'd attended the convention. This guy is on fire! They both had. Had they seen the video about remaining loyal to Jehovah? Of course they had. So again I asked, how can you lie and say it's a personal choice when they are instructing you not to associate with those who've left? The sister then said something I'll never forget as long as I live. She said, I can see why you were disfellowshipped. Why is that, I asked? Because you're argumentative. (laughs) 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 So he says, that's a thing of beauty, isn't it? And it goes on a little bit further. And, you know, I read it about five times yesterday. And then today I walked past the carts in Cheltenham and I had this guy's arguments in my head and I just thought, go up to him and do the argument. And I just thought, no, I'll forget it all. (laughs) And I'll just say something. Yeah. I mean, he had his ducks all in a row there. And and that is just such good, positive activism because he obviously was, you know, getting him to reason and getting him to talk. But I like the idea of saying, you know, I'm a Mormon and all my family have cut me off and they go, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm always very nervous if I, when I do that, when I try to talk. Yeah, I am, because it's confront. Nobody likes confrontation, do they? And just disagreeing no. with someone is confrontational in, in a way, isn't it? We like to agree and we like to conform and it's difficult to say something dif- different to someone. Um, but yes. yeah, I just thought that that was just just beautiful it's well worth looking up it's on that was co- well done yeah it's on recovery it group three and it's you alan know, henderson bill yeah. well that's that's it i i remember um joel uh martez the joel the unwitness yeah he yeah. gave a, a good one he, he was he's saying about, yeah he's awesome and he um he gave an example of he saw some jw's uh i think it was in an airport or somewhere and, mm-hmm. and he basically went up to him and uh gave him the line that he'd been disfellowshipped for questioning the, the overlapping generations and, and one of them was an elder and he said oh look you know can you show me from the bible where that is and they were like
I didn't tell them I was an ex-Jehovah's Witness, but I did have a conversation with them, and I, they'd ask me, oh, have you heard about Jehovah's Witnesses? And I said, yes, I heard something about uh, a pedophile inquiry in Australia. And uh, the first thing they did was sort of, you know, tighten up, and then I said to them, oh, that, seems, that seems terrible. I said, you know, how, how did that happen? And the one was saying, but, oh, these were very old crimes. Uh, you know, they happened a long time ago. And I said, and they were both, like, women about the same age as me. And I said to them, well, I almost, I almost dropped the, 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 made the mistake. But I actually said to her, I said, well, I know they're old crimes. I said, but back when these crimes were happening, I said, you were both little girls, and I was a little boy. I said, there was nobody trying to rape me. I said, but surely you as women, I said, surely you as women have a moral responsibility to stick up for other young girls in your congregations, don't you? You know, because mm. I, I, I really firmly have the opinion that, you, you know, for every sad story a man has, women, ha most women have about 60. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it's just horrible. But I asked mm. those ladies, and uh, they, did, they really had very little they could say. And then mm. at one point they said, I said to them, so, you know, so what happens to those pedophiles? Oh, oh, they said, oh, they're removed from the congregation. Mm. And uh, then I said, right. I, I said something to them which actually I read in a book, which I thought was a brilliant argument, yeah. not mine, but I still use it. And I said to them, well, just because you remove people from your congregation doesn't make you uniquely clean. Because I asked them, I said, Whoa. does being a Jehovah's Witness help you to be a better person, a better parent? And they said, oh, yes, yes, it does. Mm. And I said, well, just because you, you remove people doesn't make you better. Yeah. Did you still meet those people still became those that way when they were learning your truths? Yeah. Wow. And they were like, ah. Uh, and then I said to them, so tell me, I said, what happens if a pedophile repents? Did, can they come back to your kingdom all? And they both had to sort of begrudgingly say yes. And I said, so what, what processes are in place now to stop you being uh, replaced for your lunch by a pedophile <laughs> who's talking to me and my children? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when one of them lied and said, oh, well, they're just not allowed to do that. Nah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the big, the, the big beef um, that we've got currently with a couple of my friends is that Mark Sewell, who was the elder who was a paedophile, has never been removed or disfellowshipped. He's in prison. Still, he's still a Jehovah's Witness. And they've, um, the family of the victims have asked the elders repeatedly, why hasn't he been removed? In fact, I asked when I visited the Barry congregation and said, you know, Mark Sewell's not been removed, has he? And the, the elders just shrugged. And I said, you don't really care, do you? I said, you just, you don't care. And I think that's the bottom line. That's despicable. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Do you know, um, just just to throw in a little bit, um, uh, when the the Watchtower Society was forced to produce a report for the you know the Royal Commission, um, and the figures that came out in that, um, like they they're horrendous. You know, to, just to do a real quick overview, there was thousand and six offenders yeah. this is no known offenders to the watchtower society okay so there could be more the total number of victims was 1730 individual victims now the, the, we sort of broke it all down to get some statistics out of it that um, there were actually of the uh, of all those perpetrators 25 of them have been um, reappointed in the congregations after their offenses now which is, you know, that, that's shocking. I, yeah. mean, I know that's only a small number, 25 It's shocking. It's 25 too many. 25 too many. Too many, you're right. Yeah. Now, the, they also listed the statistics of how many were convicted of uh, through the child protection thing. Mm. Only 61 of those 1,006 perpetrators oh. were convicted. So basically 945 of them got away with it and basically put in their leave it to Jehovah basket. <laughs> it's disgusting. That's a big old basket, isn't it? 
is. And, um, you know, when, when it first came out, there were lots of people throwing statistics up, saying, oh, you know, you know, half of Jehovah's Witnesses in Australia are pedophiles. I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> More like two-thirds, isn't it? (laughs) I'll just do a little quick run-through of the per decade. 1950s, this is where the report started from. There were four Mm. in the 1950s. 1960, there were 45 in the 60s. In the 1970s, so I was born in 1970, there were 94 um, pedophiles in that decade. 1980s, 197. 1990s, 262, 2000s, 297, and from 2010 to when this report, which I think it was about 2014, there was 107. So 2010s are going to be their biggest year ever increase. (laughs) The increase in Jehovah was blessing the increase in paedophiles, wasn't it? That's right. (laughs) You can see it's, it's escalating. The problem is escalating. And, you know, just a... Just for curiosity's sake, to give you, there was only 15 perpetrators were female, um, and they listed them as one was unbaptized, 13 were publishers, one was a pioneer. Amongst the 991 male offenders, there were 89 who were not Jehovah's Witnesses, but they molested. Obviously, yeah, perhaps they were, um, you know, their wife was a witness or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there were 110 unbaptized perpetrators. 680 were publishers. Six were pioneers, 65 were ministerial servants, 41 elders oh. were done for, and one circuit, yeah, and one circuit overseer. Wow. So, yeah, you know, it, it was, it's riddled. It's the whole Yeah, it's riddled. I'm hoping you know, that our um, English um, inquiry will turn up the same kind. No, I'm not hoping yeah. it'll turn up that many, yeah. but I mean, I'm hoping that everything that's been hidden will be revealed. You know, I'm hoping, and the, and there is a little bit of Antipodean competition going on here because you know that our our judge is a, a New Zealand judge, isn't she? And she obviously saw the fragrant Angus Stewart and and uh, Justice McClelland oh, yeah. and how, you know what a world class investigation it was. So I'm hoping that she's going to try and top it and think, yeah, well, McClelland he was okay, but I can do better because I'm from yeah. New Zealand. Well, Louise, Louise, in your round two, that's coming. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Neil. I was just going to say, Louise, in your kingdom hall, yeah. can, you, can you remember how many paedophiles there were in your hall during your time as a witness? Well, here's the funny thing, because I was absolutely convinced when I was a witness that there weren't any paedophiles at all. It just didn't happen yeah. back in my day. Now, now that I look back, um, my mum had a Bible study with a girl who told people that her dad... Uh, was molesting her sister and the sister was pregnant by the dad and actually that was well known um, but because they were a big scuffy smelly family of 10 um, we that was a lot of bible studies for a lot of people so nothing was done there um, so that was my first congregation I was in I later had a friend in the same congregation who said that a member of her family had molested her and she'd told her mum and nobody believed her. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what she's telling me and this wasn't a, from me prompting her. She just came out and told me. Then in the congregation that I moved to where I am now in Gloucester, we had a family that were ghosted down from the north in the middle of the night in a in a kind of a secret council house swap and they, this big another big family started attending our congregation and then it turned out that they'd all ghosted away from the dad who was a paedophile who'd been molesting the daughters 
And then uh, finally, in my, the last congregation that I attended, me and my ex-husband were like bezies with this other couple before we had kids. And the the, the other couple, the dad was a, the dad, the, the husband was an elder, and he used to kind of tell us juicy little snippets that he shouldn't have been telling us. And he told us once that the police had contacted the body of elders because somebody was having a Bible study with a paedophile known to the police, and the the family studying with them had three young children and the elders had just advised that maybe somebody different had a bible study and they completely rejected that and said no 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 we can deal with it so looking back i am aware of at least one paedophile in each congregation i've attended but at the time i would have denied it strenuously in my in lisbon hall there were at least at least three paedophiles that i knew of and probably a fourth I, and I can tell you, uh, the, well, there's one paedophile was Ted, who's dead. And dead, Ted. And that, that's just, that's just a, a, you know, a record, a matter of fact. In my other hall, this is one of the things that really does my head into me. Because remember how when we look back at our times as witnesses, you can always think of one or two nice elders. Mm. And, you know, and, and even now you might hold some kind of affection. You know, flame and things. Yeah. Yeah, affection and things. Yeah. They were good guys. They weren't all wrong. But this is the one thing yeah. I always think of. Every single one of those people knew that there was a paedophile in your congregation and didn't tell your parents. You know, in my kingdom, Paul, right, a couple, same story, it's very similar to what you said. A couple were taken into the hostel in my town. Uh, they were taken in, they were a pretty horrible couple, but they were, apparently they were Jehovah's Witnesses. They'd moved over from England and they were having a new start. Welcome the new brothers. Mm-hmm. And you know what the first thing they started doing was? Offering to babysit the kids. Ah, oh, jeez. And that's exactly what the kids had. They did this, oh. I was actually talking to a couple who, just about two days ago, I was talking to a couple who I haven't seen in years, who were ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, who had two beautiful daughters, uh, and uh, actually lived just across the street, um, I, and I asked them the question, did you ever let your kids get babysit by them? And the husband looked and says, no, I did not. He says, I knew exactly what was going on there. Uh, but what happened was, other Jehovah's Witnesses did oh. let them babysit. And the elders never said a thing, even though they knew they were babysitting people's children. Oh, husband and wife, paedophile couple. And the reason that it all ended was because the probation officers visited their uh, their their house, their hostel home, and found that they uh, had children in it, which was against the terms of their parole. Oh, and we'd sent you them from England, had we? Yeah, uh, no. Yes, actually you had, yes, they were yours. Sorry they'd, they'd moved to where the need was great, right? I'm afraid, so. yeah. I'm afraid so. Oh, man. It's terrible, isn't it? It is, isn't you it? Know, I, but see, it's funny that growing up, uh, um, like I had a very, you know, very plain upbringing. You know, nothing exciting or nothing bad ever really happened. But, you know, I had no recollection whatsoever of hearing anything about no. anyone, um, you know, pedophiles or anything. But I think, obviously, it was just so hush-hush and, you know, mm. kept quiet that you just never heard of it um but then you know i talked to other ones oh, we've got a lot in the, the australian new zealand group who who have been sexually uh, you know molested as children by elders and different ones and you know yeah i feel so sorry for them but you know i had no inkling at all until leaving that, that there was a problem that it is yeah, yeah. 
I agree. But it still is kept quiet because if you are one of the victims, you don't find your voice until you're older anyway. Because when you're little, you no. don't have a voice. So it might be no. when you're 16 or 18, you might go off the rails because your head's been messed with. And then you disfellowshipped, which is what I know has happened to people. And then people, your voice is silenced anyway. So if you rock up at 18, having left to live with your boyfriend, and then you say, brother, sticky fingers abused me. Well, nobody's, A, nobody's going to listen to you because you disfellowshipped or B, you've left. So the voices are silenced all the time, I think. And if you do stay, and if you stay in the congregation and you've been abused, you're so ashamed. You're so deeply ashamed of what's happened that you're not going to tell anyone. And it's because it's bringing shame on Jehovah's name and it's personally embarrassing. And and again, you don't have a voice. So whether you're in or you're out, you don't have a voice. And the only way it, it really gets uncovered is if somebody who's left and has maybe grown up and had some help finds the voice and goes to the police. And then it's dealt with that way. And then the witnesses are told not to read the newspapers. So they can still... Well, it's in- full of lies, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, funny you say that, Louise, because when I was still in the in the Jehovah's Witnesses, when um, the, the first female Prime Minister we had in Australia, Julia Gillard, mm-hmm. she announced that there'd be a royal... The, she made the Royal Commission into, you know, uh, sex abuse within, you know, institutions in Australia, and there was a lot of opposition to it, but that was one of the really good things she did, and mm-hmm. the way she set it up, that the next... Yeah, whoever got into government next couldn't cancel it, so it was cast in stone. But the moment that that was announced, um, I was still a, a ministerial servant, so, so that the the messages coming were they started up the whole "you can't believe what you hear from the media." <laughs> it was, yeah. real, and I think it was tar- it was targeted in Australia particularly. It was in Kingdom Ministries and things saying, you know, hearing accusations and government reports and all of this stuff, and it was like, what's this? And then it was announced, you know, about. Um, Commission, and I think basically they've worked so hard to the point that um, there's ones now who, who didn't even hear that there was a royal, like this is active mm. JWs, yeah. didn't even know there was a royal commission being held and inquiring. So they worked so hard to get the propaganda out to yeah. not listen to, yeah. um, you know, well, they're very good at lies. They're yeah. the lies they're experts. Yeah. We sent you Julia, didn't we? Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she is. Um, and the <laughs> does she have an accent? <laughs> does she have a Welsh accent? No, no. no. no she's we no. sent you a long yeah. We sent you a yeah, long time ago. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap this conversation up, but I'm just going to say about the Royal Commission. I know, Bill. I'm going to drop a little taster for next time we podcast. Is that you're yes. looking up some information about um, a bit of an update on what's going on with the Royal Commission? Um, but they are yeah, still taking. We've had some who've joined the group who've left directly as a result of watching the, oh, the Royal Commission. So interesting. And have joined the group. So yeah. So I'm going to get their stories and whatnot, and be able to uh, share that. Oh, that's exciting. That'll be a good podcast next time. Not that this wasn't a good one. This was a good one. This was great. <laughs> but I'm just... Always. Yeah. So I was just going to say about the Royal Commission, they are still taking evidence for public hearings. And um, they say that if well, you... They are, yes. Yeah. And they say that if you want a private hearing, you need to register by September the 30th. So you can do that as well. And they are now examining the role of the criminal justice system in um, in the whole abuse thing. So it looks like they're going down the route of looking at how the law can be changed to afford more protection, which is what I would expect. So. That's what I think, isn't it? 
Gentlemen. Okay, can I make a quick announcement before, Please. before you wind yes. up? Well, there's, oh, thanks. I know that there has uh, been people far more involved in this than me, but you, we were talking about the uh, the upcoming British investigation. Yes. And I had been in com contact with a man called Jonathan Sanders yes. from the Charity com uh, Commission. And yeah, he's he, a good guy. He is lovely. And I've been speaking to him and I, I'd offered to do a little video for him just to sort of get you know his message out there. And he had asked that if uh, there was anyone who was interested in contact contacting him who has direct first-hand knowledge of child safeguarding issues uh, in the congregations in England and Wales only after 2011 that they can contact him at jonathan.sanders at charitycommission.gsi.gov.uk and if you didn't get that you can find it on my channel The Great Apostate under the title Former Jehovah's Witnesses United Kingdom and it's a big Union Jack on the front of it. Brilliant, and we'll try and put a link to that as well because that's really important. And he is working hard. Um, to yes. He's very, very supportive of um, of our cause, and he he even ref when he gets like emails from people who need help, he refers them to members of the XJW community to get support behind the scenes. He's a, yeah, he's a good he's a good guy. Um, Bill, have you got any other business you'd like to mention? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll have some information and some uh, stories in next uh, next next uh, podcast. But see, the Royal Commission actually is coming out here to Bathurst on Tuesday, mm -hmm. it's, uh, in two days' time, to do a public. There's a bit of a public information because oh. one of the big Catholic schools here has you know had a long history mm -hmm. of you know their priests meddling with the kids. But um, yeah, there's like a public lecture and, and a bit of an information thing so I'm basically going to turn up to that and uh, do an anti-witness as much as I can about because the Royal Commission has stated that the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, are the most concerning yes, they did. systematically you know, hid and had procedures that did not protect, I mean the Catholic Church at least you know, um, made no you know, hiding the fact mm. that they um, you know, their, their procedures have let the kids down whereas the Jehovah's Witnesses yeah, they got in there and basically denied everything until it was all pointed out to them and then tried to backpedal. So, you know, I think it's go out and do a bit of uh, anti-witnessing there. should be good. That would be amazing. I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, what I find from that. Oh, that would be brilliant. I can't wait for next time. Well, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure talking to you in tomorrow. It's nearly tomorrow in England now as well. I think it's nearly tomorrow in Ireland. So we'll, we shall say goodbye. Thank you very much. Say goodbye, Neil. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Louise. It was a pleasure. See you, Neil. Thanks for listening to our show. And remember to share the love and spread the word about JW Podcast.